1: 980 in the always free odyssey app is how you listen to us burgundy in gold today the new midday show here 12 to 3 on the team 980 in the odyssey app the best commanders coverage in town we got expert analysis fan reaction and the biggest names in burgundy in gold history joining us right now on the team 980 guest hotline is some expert analysis. NBC Sports Washington Commander's Insider Ethan Cadeau. You can follow him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. I gotta get a nickname for you, E. I, I should, know what she's thinking. I'm about to say, I saw I saw the chain. You were you were in the the open locker room. I believe it was Thursday. I meant to DM you and say, Boy, I seen the chain bussing, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, always gotta keep it out. You know what I'm saying?
1: Always gotta keep it icy, my man. Look, we'll start with Sunday. We'll recap that real quick first. Ethan, you were there in attendance. For you, man, what was the biggest takeaway from Sunday's victory against Jacksonville?
2: Oh, man, there's a bunch. I'll start from the beginning on offense. The early involvement with Curtis Samuel was something I can't say I was expecting, but when we talked to Ron yesterday, or Monday, rather, it sounded like that was something that was the plan all along. It seemed like that performance was kind of a year in the making because they didn't have him fully healthy. For all of 2021, and then on the back end, I, I was really encouraged with with what I saw from the front four, rushing four, and getting home. But those linebackers, man, I'm still really concerned.
1: <sighs> yeah, definitely. And, and to go more into detail about that, uh Ethan, I was you know going over this scenario earlier. The hope mm-hmm. is this week, obviously, that we get Cam Curl back. Based off cool. of how Derek Forrest played on Sunday. Can you see Washington rolling with more of a one-linebacker
2: look and just going with the three-safety look here? Definitely, and I think even when Cam Curl does return, I think Derek Force is going to have a prominent role in this defense. He graded out the highest on PFF of any individual player on the defense last week, so I was really impressed with what I saw from him, and he's earned more playing time regardless of when 31 comes back, if that's this week, next week, or whatever. But, yeah, I was very impressed with number 22.
1: Ethan, obviously the big storyline here on Wednesday is Vegas. They've got the Commanders as underdogs after having the Lions as underdogs for 24 straight games dating back to November 22nd of 2020. Take off your beat reporter hat for a second. What does the fan (laughs) in you feel about that?
2: It's tough, man. You don't want to be that team that's the underdog to a team that's been the underdog for a year and a half straight. I mean, the Lions did play... Philly well but at the end of the day they didn't win Washington took care of business against Jacksonville sure it wasn't pretty it was pretty in the first half it wasn't in the second half they responded well and I think this Jaguars team is going to be a little bit better than people give them credit for so if I was Ron Rivera and Washington's coaching staff I'm using he probably doesn't look at the betting lines but he definitely knows about it I'm using that as motivation this 100% that I said it earlier Second, yeah this team that picked second in the draft last year is favored to beat you like come on you can't you can't have that you're trying to make the playoffs this year
1: Exactly. And and looking more uh into Detroit and what they did against Philadelphia. If I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at any of the tape, what impressed mm-hmm. you the most uh, about the Lions 3-point loss against Philly this past Sunday?
2: That boy DeAndre Swift is the Ooh. truth, man. Yeah. <laughs> that uh I'm very scared of what he's going to do. Not like scared in like a bad way. I'm almost excited cuz I think he's going to have the true breakout year and I think Washington's defense will be one of many that is victimized by him. I mean, I think he had 140, <laughs> 150 rushing yards. It was crazy. Philly last
1: 144, week. averaged 9.6 per attempt, Ethan. Good gracious.
2: Yeah, and, like, if I had him in fantasy last year, so I've been following him for a while. And <laughs> the, the thing about Swift last year was they were just, like, splitting him with Jamal Williams. He was... He needs more touches. He got those touches. He's easily the most dynamic player on that offense. So I think they're going to try and get him the ball as much as possible and maybe use him as a pass catcher a little bit more and try and take advantage of uh, the commanders, linebackers, in open space.
1: Ethan, I've been scrolling down my Twitter timeline, and I'm seeing good things on the injury front, specifically for commanders running back Brian Robinson. Can you give us an update on him?
2: Yeah, so out of practice today, he was working on the side field. He started off on the bike, looked good, doing some agility footwork on the ladder, looked good there, and then did a couple of sled pulls while we were walking up. So everything looked really promising. I mean, he still has to miss, I think, three more games before he's eligible to return. But even if he comes back in week seven, week eight, week nine, that's still a heroic recovery, awesome news. and I do think he's still going to be an impact player for this team this season.
1: Speaking of another guy who was coming off of an injury, Logan Thomas made his season debut uh, Sunday against Jacksonville. How impressed were you by his performance? And do you expect his volume of targets to go up as the season goes on?
2: Definitely. I think he's going to get more involved as the year goes on. We know Carson Wentz's history with loving to throw to his tight ends, and I think that continues. The one thing I will say is there are so many different guys in this offense that demand targets and need targets that – There'll be games where he only gets three or four looks. There'll be games where he gets eight or nine looks. It honestly, is just going to depend on the matchup and the opposing defense and stuff. But yeah, he looks great coming off the ACL. I think he made one catch. He like kind of brushed off the brace a little as kind of like a subtle hint that he's back. So <laughs> I'm really excited to see what Logan Thomas does the rest of this year because I think him and Carson Wentz could be one of the better connections on this offense moving forward. Definitely.
1: Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is NBC Sports Washington Commanders insider Ethan Cadeau. You can follow him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. Taking another look at this commander's offense from week one, Ethan, do you think that high volume of targets is sustainable for Curtis Samuel or do you think it was something that was just game planned in?
2: I think it was more of a game plan sort of thing. I don't know if it's sustainable. I think, yeah, if they want to throw to him 10 times in the first half, they can, but I think defenses will start preparing for that catching up. And I think there's just too many other talented players on this offense that need to see the ball. I mean, if Washington lost, all we're going to hear about is how Terry McLaurin only had four targets. This guy, you just pay him $71 million. He needs to get a lot more looks. It doesn't matter he scored that long touchdown and made the most of his opportunities, but there's going to be games where he's getting 10, 12 targets. And, I think those targets come from the looks that Curtis got on Sunday.
1: Ethan, I feel like not a lot of the big guys was getting enough love from this past weekend, man. My man Charles Leno Jr., (laughs) I thought pitched a damn shutout, man. Going against a formidable pass rush duo like Jacksonville possesses. How impressed were you by Leno's performance? And then on the flip side of that, it wasn't all good along the offensive line. The interior guys struggled. What would you see there?
2: Yeah, the bookends, Cosme and Leno, I thought, did a really nice job protecting Carson Wentz's blind side. But, yeah, those interior guys, it was tough. I mean, Wes Schweitzer went out for a little bit. Sadiq Charles came in and stuff. It was kind of a little rotation at the end. But there's definitely some work to be done there. Like you said, these big guys deserve love. Charles Leno's been a great addition. And, yeah, obviously two years ago, losing Trent Williams sucks. But having someone you can count on week in to week out, at the left tackle blindside position is so important and washington has that in charles leno so i think that's still to this day one of the most underrating signings they had last year and extending him this off season so yes yeah, 72 he's been really good for washington
1: I want to talk about carson wentz here a little bit ethan obviously the amount of pass attempts i believe it was 42 on sunday moving forward i know me and you talked a lot about this during camp do you mm-hmm. think this is going to be Washington's formula moving forward? I know they threw the ball forty one times, and I think that number, Ethan, is probably a little bit misleading. It felt like Sunday yeah. Scott Turner was trying to use the horizontal passing game to supplement uh your traditional handoffs. Uh what do you what do you think when I when I say that?
2: I think you hit it right on the head right there. I mean, without Brian Robinson these first four games and perhaps longer, I think they're gonna try and use the short passing game in place of the running game. And like exactly like you said, I think that's why Carson went through the ball 41 times. And I think that's why Antonio Gibson got so many looks. They want to use him in space, but they also know they need to run the football. And if they don't feel comfortable running A.G. in between the tackles, then, yeah, they're going to run a few more screens. They're going to get a little more creative with their formations like they did on Sunday, just trying to keep the whole playbook open so they can take advantage of their mismatches in their strengths and right now they're not super deep at that powerful running back position in between the tackles without brian robinson but i think once he comes back we'll see a little bit more of a balanced thing and i think 30 to 35 is the number carson wants and washington wants that a pass attempts to be 42 is a little much but i think it'll even out as the season goes on
1: ethan it sounded like somebody was about to back up into you all right out there
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm in the parking lot out here and there's couple more cars than I expected. Just grinding, man.
1: I love it. Ethan <laughs> Cadeau joining us, NBC Sports Washington Commanders insider. Ethan, I'll go back to what I said uh, in the opening when I went when the first question I asked you about Vegas favoring Detroit this weekend. What do you think Washington has to do to get the respect of the national media?
2: That's tough because I feel like it hasn't been there for quite some time. I think they've just got to honestly string some wins together. Forget what the spreads are and stuff. If they're 4-0, they're going to, Vegas is going to start making them the favorites. And there's a legitimate chance they go 4-0. With Dak Prescott hurt, he's probably going to miss week four. And then Philly didn't look all that great in week three. So if you can get that win at home, 4-0 right there, that's when I think they start getting that national respect. But a win over the Jaguars isn't going to push the needle.
1: It sounds beautiful, and I'll piggyback off of what you just said. Obviously, Carson Wentz, excuse me, Dak Prescott nicked up. He's, you know, underwent thumb surgery yesterday, I believe. Philadelphia gives up 35, uh, 35 points to Detroit. The Giants somehow go to Tennessee and steal one from the Titans. After one week of play, Ethan, would you, would you agree with this statement? I, I feel personally that the NFC East right now is wide open.
2: Oh, it's completely wide open. I think right now with Dak Prescott expected to miss at a minimum of four weeks, I think it's probably going to be longer just based on the injury. It's between Washington and Philly. Yeah, the Giants had a great week one, but I didn't really expect much from Tennessee this year. I don't think they're going to be that good. So I'm not reading too much into that. I do like what Brian Dable and everyone else over there is doing, but I do think it is Washington's and Philly as this airplane flies over me. <laughs> but, um yeah, I'd I say it's more wide open now than it was 48 and 72 hours ago, and I think it's all in Washington's favor at this point.
1: Ethan, I'll let you go on this. Actually, I got one more after this. I'll get your prediction on Detroit versus Washington. Right now, though, I wanted to ask you about the star of Sunday's game, in my opinion defensively, uh, Derek Forrest. You actually got to interview one of his college teammates, a f- first-round yes, pick sir. from this past year, Sauce Gardner. What were you able to learn about Derek Forrest talking to Sauce?
2: That guy is a weight room warrior. Every single day, every Friday, he was adding extra 45s on the plates for Sauce and the leg press, squats and all that. If you remember when Sauce Gardner got to Cincy, he was, as a recruit, he was like 160 pounds. He left 200 pounds. And I think a lot of that has to do with the work ethic and weight room, like, regiment that Derek Forrest put Sauce, Sauce Gardner on. So I don't want to give Derek Forrest all the credit because Sauce Gardner is an exceptional talent. But... I don't know if he's a first-round pick if he doesn't add those 40 pounds of muscle. And I think Defoe had a lot to do with that.
1: Definitely. Look, I'll let you go on this, Ethan. Can you give me an official prediction? It will be officially unofficial. Do you think Washington goes to Detroit this weekend and gets the job done?
2: I do. I'm confident. I think they are the better team on paper. And I think they have feel like they have something to prove. I mean, being an underdog in Detroit, that's motivation right there, too. I'm going to go Commanders. 28 Lions, 22.
1: That was the exact score from Sunday against Jacksonville. You feeling some more of the even same? I didn't
2: realize that when I said that. <laughs> I did not even realize. that.
1: All right, man. I'll let you go, man. Uh, before before we let you out on this, have you guys gotten an official injury report yet, or is that going to happen when Ron Rivera takes the podium?
2: Yeah, it should be when he takes the podium in like 30 minutes. So, well, we'll Stay let you soon. run. We'll let you run and
1: get over there, Ethan. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man.
2: Appreciate it as always. Thank you.
1: Always get smarter talking ball with my man Ethan Cadeau. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. And if you need some fashion tips, he's one of the drippiest beat reporters in the game. Got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, despite what Vegas thinks, the Commanders did some very, very good things Sunday in the opener versus Jacksonville. The question is what things were real and what good things probably won't happen often throughout the season. I'll let you hear what I think next. This is Burgundy and Gold today right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app.
3: We really need new
0: phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: Team 980 in the Odyssey app. I want to give a big thanks to Commander's Insider Ethan Cadeau for hopping on with us, getting us up to speed on the latest with the Burgundy in gold. Some interesting nuggets out of there from my conversation with Ethan. The biggest takeaway for me, Commander's running back Brian Robinson already doing agility drills. I believe this was, what, two, three weeks ago now? That he was tragically shot while in D.C. trying to get some food, and what a comeback story this is going to eventually uh, be! It, it is remarkable that he's already made this amount of progress uh, so early uh, in this process for him, man. And uh, prayers continue to send your thoughts and prayers out to him, man. I hope, I hope that this is somebody that'll, that'll be back, you know, sooner rather than later. We know he's got to miss at least the first four, uh, but hopefully we can see Brian Robinson as early as that Tennessee Titans game. Uh, In week five. It's interesting. I'm looking on Twitter right now. I believe it's Ben Standing just tweeted it out. The new number 91 on the Washington Commanders, Donovan Jeter, the interior defensive lineman that these guys signed uh, to supplement the loss of Phil Mathis. And no disrespect to Donovan Jeter. I obviously care about Donovan Jeter. What I love, what I love is the fact that they're in full pads right now. Washington has the opportunity to go full pads a certain amount of times uh, in the season, you know, because of the CBA and you know all the rules that they put in place for player safety. Washington going full pads on a Wednesday, I love to see it. It's about whether or not you're going to be the hammer or the nail, and I love, love, love seeing this team in full pads during the regular season because straight up they got a tough matchup uh, this weekend against Detroit. Detroit punched back. I've been saying it. You know, all show long. The Philadelphia Eagles went out and punched the Detroit Lions in the mouth. But the Detroit Lions punched back. And I think that says a lot about that group and what they could potentially be. For me, though, man, if you're Washington, and Ethan hit it on the head, he said he would use it as bulletin board material. And I completely agree. If you were listening from the beginning of the show, I said, look, you have to use it as bulletin board material, especially – because of the, of the fact that you're coming off a victory. And yes, Washington wasn't flawless in their performance against Jacksonville this past Sunday. But man, when a team wins a football game, I feel like it becomes you know, a lot more difficult to manage people's egos. And I'm not saying Washington's smelling themselves or, or anything like that. I just think if you're Ron Rivera, look, I think it's in their best case scenario. To temper expectations for the season. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. For Washington, I think it's all about having that happy medium. I said it earlier. They should treat every game like it's its own season. It should be zero and zero heading into every game. I don't care if this team rips off four straight victories. Going into week five against Tennessee, they should come in with the mindset that they're zero and zero. That's the problem with this football team and why they haven't been able uh, to have sustained stretches of success. Because every time something good happens with this team, they start smelling themselves, and something bad happens. I can't tell you all the letdown performances we've seen from the Washington Commanders, Redskins football team over the year. I mean, it's happened so many times. And I gave you the number earlier. Sixth fewest wins in the NFL since 05. That's part of the reason why. The good teams in the National Football League understand how to handle themselves after a victory. The good teams in the National Football League are still hungry after a victory. And I think Ron Rivera and company got free motivation this week uh, from Vegas and, and all the sports books out there across the country. As I mentioned earlier, Washington underdogs against two and a half point underdogs, to be exact, against the Detroit Lions. And that's after the Lions were underdogs in 24 straight contests. So for Washington, man, I think it all. It all plays itself out come Sunday. We'll get to get a better gauge on what this football team is. Because some of the callers said it earlier, and I agree with it. I think part of the reason that Washington isn't favored heading in uh, to Detroit is because people nationally just weren't too impressed uh, by the victory on Sunday. It wasn't beautiful by any stretch of the imagination. It was good. wasn't great. Still things Washington can clean up. And I I keep talking about Ron Rivera and this coaching staff. I mean, they got it made, I feel like. After one week of football, they got it made. Because normally, when your team loses, you got to be the bearer of bad news and you got to get on their case and, and make them feel bad about themselves, basically, and tell them how bad they were and why they need to be better. But now, you won the game against Jacksonville, so you get to experience that high. You get to celebrate. But then... It wasn't a flawless performance by any stretch of the imagination. Now, you get good teaching tape. And I think that's what it's all about. I keep saying it. For me, when it comes to not just this offense, but this entire football team, it is more about the process than it is the game-to-game results. Now, I'm not saying if this team goes out and loses their next four, oh, it's part of the process. That lets you know the process is flawed, (laughs) right? That lets you know that the process is "Mm, not working. But, man, look. Not every victory is going to be sexy. It's not going to be a 17-point victory every week, every time you step out on the football field. This is the National Football League. It is so, so difficult to win games in this league. And I think if you're Washington, man, don't get too high on the win. Your focus should be on Detroit right now. But I think it's okay uh, to give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back after that victory against Jacksonville. Like I said, though, despite what Vegas thinks, The Commanders did some good things Sunday in the season opener against Jacksonville. The question is, though, what good things were real and what good things probably aren't sustainable? I'll let you hear what I think next. This is Burgundy and Gold today right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Team 980 in the Odyssey app coming up at the top of the hour. Two o'clock to be exact. SB Nation NFL national writer Mark Schofield set to join the program. We'll take a spin around the National Football League. Plus, get his thoughts on the Commander's season opening victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our man Mark Schofield had an interesting article he put out this morning that was headlined, Washington Rides the Carson Wentz Roller Coaster to a Win. Is it sustainable? End quote. And speaking of sustainability, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us into our next talking point here. A tease before the break, man, Vegas clearly not respecting what Washington did this past Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. There were some very good things that happened, though, despite that disrespect. And the question I want to pose after you guys on the team 980 listener lines, 301-230-0980. Twitter and Instagram, you can tap in with me there as well. What's something that happened Sunday in Washington's win that you think is sustainable for the remainder of the season? I want to hear from you guys. Team 980, listener lines wide open, 301-230-0980. What's something that happened during Washington's win on Sunday that you think is sustainable for the entire season? And I'll kick things off here. I mentioned this with Ethan when he was on with us at 1 o'clock. The play of Commander's left tackle, Charles Leno. I mean, that is something that I feel like, honestly, can last the entire season. We all know how Charles Leno got here. The Bears didn't want him. They thought he was old. They thought he was washed up. We're now at a point in time where, look, we needed a left tackle. Trent Williams... We all know how that ended here. For Charles Leno to come in here and provide the stability at left tackle the way he has, it's been remarkable. Literally. Basically pitched a shutout week one against Jacksonville against a very formidable pass rush duo of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Zero pressures given up. Zero QB hits given up. Zero sacks given up. Oh, and by the way, he also had an 82% win rate on run back in place. So that just lets you know just how good Charles Leno has been. I think that's something that is going to continue to show itself as the season progresses. And this matchup this weekend doesn't get any easier uh, for Charles Leno. He's going against another top five pick, talking about Aiden Hutchinson uh, of the Detroit Lions. And that Detroit front is nothing to sneeze at. Like they got some guys uh, that, that, that do a really nice job getting out of the quarterback. Getting after the quarterback, excuse me. The kid Isaiah Bugs uh, from Alabama does a really nice job for them. They got guys up front that is going to make life difficult for this offensive line. But I think as long as 72 is out there and 72 is healthy, man, anything is possible. The sky is the limit uh, for this Washington offensive line. I want to hear from you guys, though. Team 980 listener lines wide open, 301 980 What's something that happened in Sunday's win that you think is sustainable for the remainder of the season for Washington. I want to hear from you guys. Team 980, listening lines wide open, 301-230-0980. For me, man, also, Curtis Samuel, being that heavily involved in the offense, I think is also very sustainable. Now, when we had Ethan Cadeau on at the top of the hour, he told us he thought it was more of a game plan specific thing. Now, obviously, Washington, Ron Rivera, Scott Turner were thrilled. Thrilled to see Curtis Samuel have that type of impact uh, in week one against Jacksonville. The big question for everybody involved is, is his body going to be able to withstand that large volume of touches? And luckily enough for myself, man, I got to meet Curtis Samuel in person for the first time at the Eastern's automotive shoot. It was myself and Craig Hoffman out there, man. Curtis Samuel walks in and I'm looking at him like, is this a wide receiver? (laughs) There's no way he's a wide receiver. He's built like a running back. So that gave me full confidence like man, look. Last year might have been a fluke. He might have I'm of the the, the mindset and the notion of, look, he might have been injured coming from Carolina. We don't really know what happened with the groin situation last year. I do know this though. After watching him against Jacksonville, I think we all owe him an apology. Everybody who was talking bad on his name owes him an apology. Owes man an apology. Straight up. He is going to be a factor for Washington moving forward and I think he's going to be one of the reasons why this offense becomes one of the top 10 units in the National Football League and yes, that is where I'm at with Washington offensively. I firmly believe big caveat here if if Carson Wentz can play turnover free football the Washington commanders are going to be a top 10 group offensively. There's no doubt about it. I will put Their cast of weapons, talking about the wide receiving core, the running back core, and the tight end group. I'll put them and stack them up against anybody in the National Football League. That is a damn good group, and I think they're going to continue uh, to solidify that as the season moves forward. And that's something that I think is super sustainable. Washington offensively has pieces, and I think in order for this group to reach its goals, they're going to have to continue about to spread the wealth offensively. I want to hear from you guys, though. Team 980 listener lines wide open, 301-230-0980. What's something that happened uh, in Sunday's win against Jacksonville that you think is sustainable for Washington for the duration of the season? You can tap in with me on Twitter and Instagram as well, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Let's go to Chris, who is in Maryland, wants to tap in. Chris, what did you see Sunday that you think is sustainable uh, for the entirety of the regular season?
4: Um, Basically, I was saying before the season started, I said that you can trust Carson Wentz to uh, throw the ball, and it's going to be an upgrade from all the quarterbacks you had in the past since Kirk Cousins, and uh, the passing attack is going to be sustainable. But uh, one question mark I have, I know you didn't ask this, but one question mark that I have have going into Detroit is, are your linebackers going to cover and tackle Swift and other running backs next weekend? Because I'm sure Detroit, as the coaching staff, they – they watched the film and said, hey, what? the running backs were running wide open the whole time. So, like, definitely the passing attack is something that is going to be on the up and up. But as the, you know, as it get cold, you know, can you establish the running game? That's what I'm looking for. But the passing game, no doubt. But you got to be able to establish the running game when the winds start kicking and, you know, the balls start going short and stuff. So that's what I'm looking for to start establishing the running game.
1: Yeah, hey, I appreciate the call, my man. Yeah, I agree with him 110%. If I am Dan Campbell and that Detroit Lions coaching staff, I'm looking at Washington, and I'm saying, hey, let's come out and try to punch them in the mouth from the get-go. Because I will say this. It might not have felt like it watching the football game, but the Jacksonville Jaguars averaged 6.8 yards per carry as a unit. That is ridiculous from Washington's standpoint. A team that has this type of talent along its defensive front has to be better. And I'm not putting all the blame and onus on the defensive line as to why Jacksonville was able to run the football with such success. It's the linebackers too. But if I'm Detroit, based on the formula that they used against Philadelphia, we all know. what's McCall, it went crazy talking about Deandre Swift, 15 catches a buck 44 and a touchdown. He went berserk. And a lot of it is a mindset thing. It's week one. We all know. Tackling across the National Football League isn't going to be up to snuff in the first game of the season. That's why I'm such a huge proponent of playing guys in the preseason and participating in joint practices and things like that because you can't fake the funk, as I like to say. Because when you go out there Sunday at 1 o'clock, it's for real. This isn't preseason. This isn't practice. You can't prepare for the tempo uh, that you have to deal with in a regular season football game. It's unrivaled. You cannot simulate that in practice. You just can't. That's why I think it's so important that guys play in the preseason, but obviously we know philosophically that's not what Ron and company want to do. They want to be able to protect their guys, keep them healthy, so that you got all your horses when it's time to run during the regular season. But look, I'll say this, and I know this this isn't even what we're on right now. I am concerned about the Detroit Lions running game heading into this Sunday. I gave you the numbers on DeAndre Swift. I didn't even mention Jamal Williams, who was kept kind of quiet against Philadelphia. I know the big story out in Detroit is how those two are going to divvy up the carries. 15 for DeAndre Swift, 11 for Jamal Williams. Both of the kids can go. I'll tell you straight up, if you don't come with your hard hat on Sunday against Detroit, you will get ran over. They take no prisoners, and that's a physical group up front uh, led by former Eagles running back Deuce Staley. Right now, though, I want to hit the phones hard here. What's something that happened during Sunday's win that you think is sustainable for the remainder of the regular season? Team 980 list lines wide open. 301-230-0980. 301 Twitter and Instagram, you can tap in with me there as well, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. What's something that happened in Sunday's win against Jacksonville that you think is sustainable for the commanders uh, for the duration of the regular season? Let's go to Chuck, who wants to tap in. What's going on, Chuck?
5: Hey, man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, uh, first of all, man, I, I'm a first-time caller, and uh, I'm, I'm a pretty huge fan. What I took out the game is I felt good about the game Sunday. First of all, because we moved the ball at ease. We made a couple of mistakes and turnovers, but nobody looked. I didn't see that usual panic on nobody's face. Carson Wentz, he looked like the veteran. And so those two turnovers, I was like, okay, good Carson, bad Carson. And I could take that every game because – the look of that offense, it just looked totally different, man. When we fall behind, usually it's over with. But Sunday, they look totally different. Hey, Chuck, another thing I hey Chuck, say. Let me, Chuck, let me yes, ask sir. you
1: this, man. You talked about what you saw from Washington offensively. Do you think that performance yeah. is sustainable for the rest of the regular season?
5: I really do believe it is sustainable. And the reason why I believe that is because we got way too many problems for – opposing defenses to figure out. I mean, those receivers wasn't wide open for just no reason. I mean, I every time he threw the ball, somebody was, like, wide open. It was like, wow, because we have too many weapons, and they can't cover everybody. And then I think the biggest weapon we have on offense, people been dogging. But I, I think Antonio Gibson is the tone setter for our offense because I feel like the more touches he get. The tougher he is, you got to think about it. He played with shin splints last year, you know, and wanted to continue playing. I, he's a tough, tough, tough runner, and I just feel like they're not giving him the credit. Look at what he's done over the last two years. Hey, I appreciate the call, man, and, I, and
1: I agree with you 110%. Antonio Gibson, his usage, uh, something I actually had listed down here. Uh, we're, we're taking calls right now on what's something that happened in Sunday's victory that you think is truly sustainable. Uh, for the Washington Commanders moving forward. Offensively is what everybody wants to talk about, the performance uh, of Washington's offense. I want to flip things back over to the defensive side of the ball. I think that pass rush trio of Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and John Allen wreaking havoc the way they did, I think that is 110% sustainable moving forward. And I think it's going to be, you know, the recipe for success for this football team, not just for the defense, but for this entire football team. The one thing that we didn't see uh, this past weekend in the the game was a turnover that really mattered. You know, the one that he threw, that that Trevor Lawrence threw to Derek Forrest, look, give credit where credit is due to Derek Forrest for making an acrobatic play, but it wasn't game-changing. I think if this defensive front continues to play the way that they did, they are going to make game-changing turnovers. I got some numbers here for you guys. That three, that trio I'm talking about, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen combined for 15 pressures, two sacks, four hits, eight hurries, and two balls batted down. The commanders also second in pass rush win rate uh, during week one. It's amazing. This is what we needed from this defensive line. And I feel like maybe the guys up front are putting the onus on themselves now to say, hey, look, if we don't generate a pass rush, who is? And I love the mentality. I want to continue to hear from you guys, though. Team 980, listen lines wide open, 301 980 What's something that happened Sunday in the win against Jacksonville that you think is sustainable for Washington uh, for the duration of the season? Let's go to Will, who's in Landover. Wants to tap-in? What's going on, Will? Hey,
3: what's happening, bro? Hold on one second, man. I had to grab my phone. No, nah, you're good. You're good. You're okay. good. you good. I didn't think I want to answer. that quick. Hey, I think from an offensive standpoint, I think that uh, the play calling. Because I think that they spread it around very well. You know, I thought that J.D. McKissick was going to have a bigger role in this game. And it's good that he didn't, that they played as well as they did. They didn't even use McKissick. So now when you come out in the second game, they're going to be saying, okay, well, we we can take McKissick somewhat out out of the picture. And then you throw him in, in a big way in game two, and they're not prepared for it. That's how you do that. Antonio Gibson in the passing game was effective. I like what he did. So you you threw different things at him. They didn't know what to prepare for, and it was troublesome for him. On the defensive side, if you can do these things with Young on the on the bench, let him see some different techniques and let these other players come up as well. The other guy that's playing in place of Young. When Young comes back, oh man, what he is, what it's possible for him to do. I'm not saying they want to do either one of these things, but what's possible for him to do if he
1: has that other player kind of compliment him. They could be a thing. I 100% agree, man. man. I appreciate the call as well, my man. Yeah. I mean, and I got it. It's it's crazy. You might as well come host the show, brother. I had it written down right here. Washington and what they did offensively, specifically the play calling with Scott Turner, is 100% sustainable. And what I loved, Scott Turner's in a groove now. Got some nuggets for you on that as well. Washington threw the football twenty two times on first and second down on Sunday. Those are your normally your expected running downs. I thought Scott did a brilliant job mixing things up. Six different guys had two or more receptions. So just the creativity in getting your best guys the ball in space. I thought it was masterful, uh, by uh, Scott Turner uh, on Sunday. Let's go to toothpick once tapping. What's going on, Pick? Hey, hey, what's
4: going on, Mel? Younger and Charles movement. Yes, I got sir. you. Um, so listen, something that's sustainable. For the first time, we saw the defensive line with a lot of games, a lot of stunts, yeah, a lot of movement. Right, the offensive side of the ball was a lot of different formations. They came out in the four by four uh, um, or four by zero formation. They came out in the three by three, uh, three by ones, and the th- uh, two by twos. A lot of different variations running the same play. That is sustainable. Um, so those things look great. The secondary's got to pick it up, of course. And the linebackers do got to bring their hard head versus Detroit. But those are my sustainable topics for uh, for what you asking right now. I appreciate it, bro.
1: Of course, of course. Hey, Pick, before you get off here, man, do you have a prediction? Yo. So I wanted to hear from you on this. Do you think Washington is going to be able to go in Detroit Sunday and get the dub?
4: Oh, most definitely. Okay, listen, we, gotta, we have to lock down their run and, and make their quarterback turn the ball over. Yeah. So for us to win this thing, we do have to have those turnovers from their quarterback – Maybe DeAndre Swift gives us one as well, but we got to win the turnover battle and shut down their running game, put the game in the hands of their quarterback and that guy St. Brown, oh, we have to lock him up. I mean, if I have to go ahead up there and stop him from getting to the game, you know, by hook or crook, I'll do so. But that's our our recipe for winning this whole thing.
1: I appreciate the call, Pick. Let's go to D-Dove, who's out in the city wants to tap in before we take the break. What do you think that Washington did Sunday? What do you think is sustainable from the win?
5: I'm I could tell you, I'm gonna tell you something from the offense, my friend, and I'm gonna tell you something from the defense. That's gonna be sustainable. Man, Carson Wentz is a quarterback, even though he threw it away a couple of times, but like somebody said earlier, last year, if that didn't happen, you guys, you you gonna go ahead and suck a fork in us. That's gonna be sustainable. Okay, I agree. that's gonna be sustainable. Now, the, on the defensive side, I saw that boy that quarterback for Jacksonville feet up in the air a lot of times. <laughs> okay. And I'm gonna tell you something. When Chase gets back, he got a chip on his shoulders because the media been talking about him and everybody saying this. Look out. Y'all have a great day.
1: And I appreciate the call, D have Gotta take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. He spoke to the D C media. Actually, you know what? We'll change we'll change course here. We'll we'll get to Ron Rivera after Mark Schofield from SB Nation joins us at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll continue to take more of your calls here because this is an interesting topic here. What's the, what's something that happens in Sunday's win against Jacksonville that you think is sustainable for Washington? I gave you the play of Charles Leno. I talked about Curtis Samuel being involved offensively. I want to hear from you guys. Team 980, listener lines, wide open, 301-230-0980. What's something that happened in Sunday's victory against Jacksonville that you think is sustainable for the rest of the commander's season. Don't go anywhere. And Willingham here with you on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. 980 in the Odyssey app. Youngest in charge movement, Lanelle Willingham, here with you on the new midday show here in town. Burgundy in gold today. The combination of myself, the legend, Scott Jackson, and the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. We got you covered weekdays 12 to 3 here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. The best, and I truly do mean the best, Washington Commanders coverage in town. We got expert analysis fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy and Gold history. Make sure to tap in weekdays 12 to 3 right here on the Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll take a big picture view of the National Football League. SB Nation writer Mark Schofield uh, set to join the program. He actually had an interesting article on Carson Wentz this morning, and it was headlined this, Washington Rides the Carson Wentz Roller Coaster to a win." Is it sustainable? And that's got me thinking about the sustainability of some of the other things that we saw on Sunday from Washington. I want to hear from you guys. Team 980, Listener lines wide open, 301-230-0980. What's something that happened in Sunday's win that you think is sustainable for the remainder of the season? We were talking about a multitude of things here. We talked about the creativity offensively. I gave you the nugget. Six different guys had two or more receptions Sunday for Washington a tall tale sign of great ball distribution. And then the thing I love from offensive coordinator Scott Turner, he had his foot on the gas from play one of this football game. Washington passed the football 22 times on first and second down, which are usually your traditional expected running downs. And I think Washington, you know, with their ability to keep defenses off balance, is going to make this offense, in my opinion, a top 10 unit in the National Football League by season's end. I want to hear from you guys, though. We're hitting the phones hard. Team 980, listener lines, wide open, 301-230-0980. What's something that happened in Sunday's win that you think is sustainable? Let's go out to the 757. Paulie wants to tap in. Paulie, what do you think, what did you see Sunday, I mean, that you think is sustainable for the remainder of the regular season?
6: Hell to the W, man. How you doing, man? <laughs> What's good, I'm man? Good, how you man. Hey, hey real, real quick, before I get to that question, let me, let me say this, man, to your man Schofield, is coming, is coming up, man. I keep telling y'all about these narratives with Carson Wentz, man. Oh, Joe, uh, oh, Joe Blobero, four interceptions. Was that a roller coaster? Derek Carr, three interceptions. <laughs> is he a roller coaster quarterback? Matt Stafford, three interceptions. Is he a roller coaster quarterback? Oh, oh, Josh Allen, two interceptions. You know what I mean? So so you're telling me it's just Carson Wentz is on a roller coaster experience? Well, what about these dudes? What about uh, Derek Carr and especially Matt Stafford coming from Detroit? We've seen seen him have these interceptions throughout his whole career. But like I said last week when uh, Doc was on the show with you guys, man, he's just guilty by association for for the majority of the bad press we've been getting for the past 25, 29 years. So that's my (laughs) question to Mr. Schofield. And everybody else to want to keep talking about this Carson Wentz experience and roller coaster. And he's a he's a quarterback just like every other quarterback makes mistakes. Period. And roller I, coaster, man. Yeah, I appreciate the call, anyway, bro. Oh wait, anyway, hold hold on. On. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The, 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 the same thing is like your previous caller said, man. Antonio Gibson, man. Yeah. 20, 2020, 2021, when we both we made our runs in twenty twenty. We went on our four game winning streak last year. Antonio Gibson toted the ball and he toted it well. All he has to do is not put it on the ground, man. And and Scott Turner's play calling is not sustainable. It's not sustainable, man. You can't Carson Wentz can't throw the ball forty one times. Well hold on, Paulie. I'll push
4: back at that.
1: I'll push back at that. That forty one no. is skewed. It's not a real no. forty no. look at how many passes no. were behind the line of scrimmage. They didn't run the football no, no, no. with much success, yeah, so they supplemented it, it by throwing the ball it
6: horizontally. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Teams gonna have a book on that. They know about the three receivers, all that. When that weather changed, you got to run the ball. Carson Wentz shouldn't be throwing the ball 35-plus times. and Antonio Gibson shouldn't have, only have 14 carries unless when my man Robinson come back, he has another 15, 16 carries. You got to run the ball. He abandons the run too soon. You can't put the you can't put the game in Carson Wentz hands for for the whole for four quarters. We've seen what happened on back to back drives when you do that.
1: I appreciate the call, Paul. Let's go to Sly, who's in D.C. Sly, what do you think is most sustainable from Sunday's win?
5: I'm I'm sorry. What I think is most sustainable is the fact you know, you know the defense. We got off the field third down. I'm not you feel me. I wasn't too pleased with the defense, but we got off the field third down, and that was our biggest issue last year. And that was actually our biggest issue in preseason. But I hear everybody talk about um cards need to do this, Carson need to do that. He don't need to throw the ball this many times. I don't, you
1: know, we paying this man twenty seven million. I feel as though he should be able to throw the ball forty times
4: and <laughs> at, not have any
1: at Pauly. At Paulie. At Paulie. make sure you add him when you call in, slide. Don't be scared, brother. At, at Paulie. Paulie. <laughs> <laughs> at Pauly, but I feel as
5: though you know, man. Them, you know, man. Them two interceptions. You know, Josh Allen threw two interceptions and in one. Joe Burrow threw four and almost won. Like I don't uh, mistakes, mistakes, mistakes happen. We we're going to fix them. I feel believe Scott Turner, he's going to call the game, and I'm just hoping that Jamie Davis do not get them mismatches <laughs> like he did last week. <laughs>
1: hey, I appreciate the call, Sly. More on the third down uh, effectiveness of Washington defensively. We all we all knew last year that was their Achilles' heel. 31st in the National Football League in uh, opponent third down conversion percentage masterful job on third down against Jacksonville, holding them to just three for 12. If they can sustain that throughout the regular season, there's going to be a playoff team for sure. Other side of this break, Mark Schofield, NFL writer for SB Nation, said to join us. He had a piece on Carson Wentz this morning. We'll ask him about that and take a spin around the National Football League next here on Burgundy and Gold
0: Today.